Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, June 22nd. Acceptance is the first step toward overcoming heartbreak and disappointment. Suffering always arises from wishing that things were other than they are. Now you have to understand what Swami means by acceptance. He doesn't mean, how do you want to put it? He doesn't mean acquiescence. He doesn't mean um, praising it. He doesn't mean saying that it's wonderful and that it's all good. He just means acknowledging that this is the way things are. I mean, think of it like this. What if you, 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 you were in an accident and you had your, your hand was amputated? And there you are. All of a sudden, you're a person with one hand. So you can lie on your bed. And I mean, I'm not wishing this fate upon anyone. But you can lie on your bed and you can just act as if you still have two hands. And you can be as angry as you want about it. You can be as heartbroken as you want. You can just go on and on and on. But at a certain point, um, it would be preferable to say, okay, I only have one hand. So now what do I do? And that doesn't mean that you live as an invalid, that you let yourself be taken care of by any everyone, that... You give up all the things that are important to you. But you have to start from the premise that I now only have one hand. So what am I going to do after this? There was a a remarkable story, a true story about uh, a rock climber. I can't remember now the name of the book. Many of you know about it. It was a movie. It was a few years ago. And he was out on a solo wilderness adventure. And he slipped in some way. And his hand became wedged between two rocks. And it was just, it was just a, an incomprehensible situation for him. And, but it was, they were two huge rocks, and he was just stuck there. I don't know if something slipped or exactly what happened. But the story is, he was there all by himself without any capacity to contact anyone for quite some days. And finally it occurred to him that he could amputate his own hand. Which, of course, I mean, the whole story is really quite something, you know, that he was going to do that. But here's what was so touching, and this is the point here. He said, by, of course, this time he's not quite in his right mind, or he's not in his normal mind, is how I would put it. Um, but he, he saw himself, some years in the future, married um, with, with a child, he saw himself playing with his child, and it, it may be, I might be presenting this wrongly, but he saw in the picture, in the vision, that he only had one hand. And I'm not sure if that's when he, that was how his higher self communicated to him that he could cut off his hand, or whether that was what gave him the confidence to do it. But in any case, that was part of it, which is, oh, I'll just be a one-handed person, and I'll just accept that that's what my world is going to be, and then... I can go forward. So this is the kind of acceptance that Swamiji is talking about. It's not the acceptance of defeat. It's just the acceptance that 
life has changed. One of the earliest aphorisms I remember of Swamiji's when I read it in a book he had. He had a book called Yours, the Universe, which was uh, just a collection of mostly transcribed bits and pieces from different lectures he'd given. I'm sure he'd, he'd uh, modified it some, but w- one of the phrases was, and I have it very close to what he said, the only certainty in life is change. Most people resist change. Therefore, most people are unhappy. And it, it just vividly made an impression on my mind. The only certainty in life is that nothing stays the same. Most people want things to freeze in a certain position. Therefore, most people are unhappy. I, I, I had had at that point, and I've always had a kind of um, practicality about things. I remember once when I was grief-stricken about a personal disappointment. And the personal disappointment was based on the fact that certain conditions had exist existed, I and others had held certain values, certain commitments, certain loyalties, but I and others had changed. And the people who were able to relate to each other according to that particular construct, those people no longer existed. I mean, literally, the people no longer existed because all the people involved were now somebody else, including me. And so I realized that I was weeping, literally. I was weeping um, because I wanted to have back something that no longer existed in time or space and would never exist again. And so I saw that if I were going to weep about something that had disappeared forever and no amount of will or wishing would ever return it to me, I would have to cry for the rest of my life. And I was practical. And I thought, I don't really want to do that. I really don't want to be grieving for that which is gone. Change is the only certainty in life. Most people resist change, therefore most people suffer. I've always had this intense desire not to suffer. That doesn't mean I haven't suffered, because everybody suffers. But I am committed, and sometimes I'm more successful and sometimes it takes longer, to working my way through grief rather than allowing it to become the definition of who I am. And there's always a phase, and there are stages of grief, and one of the stages of grief is very simple, it's called denial. And when you go through stages of grief, you go through, and I can't articulate them because it's not my special field, but I know I can articulate some of them. You know, anger. Anger is one of the stages of grief. Bargaining is another. We try to make deals with God. If you do this, I'll do that, and then this will come about. So we try to bargain with fate or with God, whoever we think we're bargaining with. We're just enraged because circumstances are what they are. Um, Then we are in denial. You know, it's not a terminal diagnosis. They're going to get fine. And even as people are drifting toward their deathbed, we're saying, no, no, no. Or you shoot the messenger. Uh, I, I know I, we've seen, I've seen poignant dramatizations and I can easily see it, how if someone that you love dies but they're distant from you and you're not at the deathbed and you don't witness them dying. Classically, this happens in war. And so th- there's no experience of the person's death 
there's only an experience of the telegram reporting the death or the messenger who comes to report the death or the policeman who comes to report the death. And so it's the policeman that you're furious about and you deny the policeman's capacity to have the truth. You deny the telegram. You shoot the messenger. If I can kill the messenger, the message is not valid either. This is all very complicated levels of denial. But if you think practically speaking, if you're working with someone who is in a state of denial, it's very, very hard to make progress, isn't it? If it's not you who are, who are rejecting it, but someone else. I know <clears throat> most of the time, in the context of Ananda, when people die, um, we, under, we have an understanding of death within our spiritual teachings, and most of the time, people are able to just face in and be able to declare that they're dying without it um, being awkward or terrible for them. I know one of my friends <laughs> who was in the last week of her life, and she had terminal cancer, and she'd had a discussion with the, with the physicians, and she'd made certain choices about you know, what kind of mitigating factors she wanted and what she didn't. And she was just knowing, almost knowing exactly how much longer she would live. And uh, she had a short haircut, somewhat like mine, and just one day lying in bed, she looked a certain way, and one of my friends who was visiting her, just from habit, said, Oh, your hair looks so cute today. (laughs) And my friend, who's dying, who had a rather good sense of humor, she said, I'm going to be the cutest little corpse you ever saw. Which some people might think of macabre humor, but it was, and you know, they both started laughing because, you know, her girlfriend had not meant to say something so silly. It had just come out of her mouth because her hair did look very nice that day. It's just, that's what it was. But my friend was not in a state of denial. But it has happened, even within Ananda, that people's sense of the necessity to be affirmative extends to not wanting anyone to talk about the fact that they're dying. And it's not impossible to follow that if that's what the person wants. They have their own reason. But it's a little less convenient because you're not able to really have closure to say final goodbyes, right? And if someone is ill and, and you want to work with them about their illness, but they're in denial, it doesn't work. So why would it work at any time? So this where Swami says, acceptance is the first step toward overcoming heartbreak and disappointment. We have to actually say that it's really not going to work out. And, and sometimes that's very difficult. I, I, I'm not a person who goes to psychics all that often. I have a few friends who are psychic and occasionally they, I have, I have seriously and helpfully consulted them. But one of the reasons I'm a little wary and I, I, I try very hard never to let anyone tell me what the future is because I had an experience when I was quite young, well, young on the path in my early 20s. I was in an uncertain situation. I had a profound attachment as to how I wanted it to work out. This psychic person read my, I believe she read my subconscious mind She did not read any exalted um, Akashic record. She read my subconscious mind. My subconscious mind 
wanted a certain result. And I believe sincerely she picked that up from me and then gave it back to me, that this would be the result. Um, I realized about more than a year later that her saying that to me had, had deeply influenced the way I was relating to the situation. And it was, it was profoundly confusing me because I kept thinking it was going to work out. And I was completely blind to what was right in front of me. And it was only when I actually realized how much that was influencing me and repudiated it was I able to begin accepting the heartbreak and the disappointment. Until that time, I always thought I didn't have to. And of course, why did I glom onto that so strongly? It's because I didn't want to accept it. But I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get anywhere until I did. And after that, I realized, and I'll speak just for myself, my psyche is too weak. It's just too weak to have somebody um, promise me what I want. I'd rather just not know. Because then, as things come to me, I, I need to be realistic in that because I have called astrologer friends. When, when I was entering, when something very difficult happened to me, I called the astrologer. My, my question was actually very specific. <clears throat> Do I need to get used to being really unhappy? <laughs> Am I going to have just lots and lots of unhappy things happen to me? Because mostly I've been very fortunate. And I said, it's just like a skill set I don't have. So is this like a one-time experience or is this the beginning of, you know, like 25 years of endless disappointments because I need to adjust myself. I need to accept if that's what's going to be happening now. Fortunately, I was told it was, a, well, it was, it was um, not my most auspicious time, but it was not for the rest of my life. But that, that was helpful to me. But the word is acceptance. And that, that's what I was looking for. How, how can I just really embrace this? When Jesus put it really simply, he said, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the left also. Now, why would he say something like that? Who wants to be hit? But what he's saying, instead of shrinking away from that which you don't want to have happen, step into it. Okay, this is what's going to happen. I step into it. Okay, this is going to be a hard time. Okay, I'm going to have to learn to get along with whatever the new circumstances are. I only have one hand now. Okay. You know, I'm going to learn what you can do with just the stub of an arm. I'm going to find out everything that can happen because this is what I have to live with. My heart, my heart has changed. The shape and form and everything about my being is now different. So, okay, in this new form, how do I live? And you, you see how dynamic that is? And it doesn't change the grief. It doesn't change the amputation of the hand. It doesn't change the crack and the change in who we are but it allows us to take the material at hand and to build a new reality from it instead of always just clinging to the past change is the only certainty most people resist change that's why most people are unhappy why would we want to be one of those so Swamiji says acceptance is the first step toward overcoming heartbreak and disappointment Suffering always arises from wishing that things were other than they are. God bless you, my friends. 
Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.